Guys, mental health is something that Dan and I are extremely passionate about, which is why it excites us to say that we are partnering with BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode and our podcast. BetterHelp is the world's leading therapy service, and it's 100% online. With BetterHelp, you can tap into a network of over 30,000 licensed and experienced therapists who can help you with a wide range of issues. To get started, you just answer a few questions about your needs and preferences in therapy. That way, BetterHelp can match you with the right therapist from their network. Then you can talk to your therapist however you feel comfortable, whether it's via text, chat, phone, or video call. You can message your therapist at any time and schedule live sessions when it's convenient for you. If your therapist isn't the right fit for any reason, you can switch to a new therapist at no additional charge. With BetterHelp, you get the same professional and quality you expect from in-office therapy, but with a therapist who is custom-picked for you, more scheduling flexibility, and at a more affordable price. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash BacksideGroundBalls. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, dot com slash BacksideGroundBalls. by Riverside. Welcome back to episode 90 of the Backside Ground Balls podcast. We're coming to you here on a Monday morning, the Monday of the College World Series final. It's been an interesting, interesting two games of the final. I think as it stands right now, I think you could make a legitimate argument that Florida very well could be your national champion as we sit today, especially after their dominant 24-4 victory over LSU here on Sunday. I was going to say Saturday because my weeks are all messed up. But, Dan, before we get into large detail there, how are we doing on this fine Sunday? Are we are we ready to kick off the work week? Ready to go. I'm just curious. What was your favorite pool game growing up, Trevor? <laughs> um... What was it? Colors. Did you ever play Colors? Colors. Where you had to pick a color and the person turned their back and then you they'd say that. Oh, we like call that blue. categories. Yeah, we categories. Call it categories. Yeah. yeah. If they said so, your color, then you would start swimming yeah. and they'd jump in yeah. and catch you. And then because they had to hear you. Were you a big Marco Polo guy? Not really. Not, not as much. Yeah. Yeah. It's an overrated game. And you like I didn't like it. Any well, that's a lie. My favorite pool game you had to get out of the pool a lot. You ever played Dibble? Uh-uh. So what you do is you take like a like a water bottle cap, and you know how they're like not completely clear, but when you get them wet, they become basically clear. So you take a water bottle cap, you swim down to the deep end, you put it on the floor, and then it'll float up. So then you get out of the pool, and everybody stands around, and you wait for it to float up, and it's hard to see because it's clear. And uh, if you see it, you yell dibble, and you have to jump in and try and grab it as you jump in all in one motion. And if you don't get to it, then it's free game, and anyone can get it. Then you get a point for grabbing it. It's a really fun huh. game. Interesting. Dangerous, though, if you're jumping, in. I had a friend in high school who was six foot seven. Um, he was a really good pitcher. Got hurt shoulder shoulder injury beginning of his college career. Ended it, but he was really good arm. But playing dibble with him was miserable because he was six seven. The length on him when he would and he could jump across. He could jump side to side in the pool. It was like ridiculous. 
you know, because everybody's jockeying for position around the, the edge of the pool. We also, uh, uh, we, we, in my household, we play a lot of pool baseball. Really Same. good game. Pool baseball Same. was a really good game. So how did you go- play your pool baseball? So uh, we played pool baseball. Obviously, we had marks on the tiles that were the bases. Um, yeah. And then we had like short porch and right. But if you hit it over also the fence containing the um, pool, like the fence around the pool. And you'd play on the outside, right? Yeah. No, we'd play in the pool. In so here, the pool? So, and if you hit it out over, like not outside of the pool, but outside of the entire pool fence, automatic ending, ending hit. And you had to go get the ball. Because who would want you have to get out and go in the grass and go get it? Um, so you would try and kind of, it was tough as a lefty. You would kind of want to lean a little bit Ichiro style and really work left center. Because obviously, like, if you hit it, if it stays in the pool, it's probably triple by the time the pitcher goes and gets swims down there and gets it. If not, you could just, you could poke it out to, like, center and stuff for a home run. So we used to play on the outside of the pool. Oh. Um, and, like, so the way our backyard was. supposed to run on the pool deck. Sorry, we wouldn't run. It was a lot. It was a home run derby, but oh, okay. it was short porch and right, and we had yeah. the sunroom that was built mm. off of our house into the pool area, and it was like green monster style, green monster, like tall, yeah, yeah, tall wall and right, short, big fly. You got to go big fly to center. Nobody really. I always hit lefty in these games. Nobody ever went oppo there. We were all poolside jacks, yeah, um, over over the big wall, and and then we would play on the outside of the pool with like, so we play like with these squishy pool balls and like squishy pool bats. So it wasn't right, as much but, juice. Yeah. You'd actually have to get into it. Um, well, we but, would, yeah, a lot of fun. The search for new, like, cause we would all, you know, you would always have a ton of the, like you would just collect the squishy pool balls over the yeah. years, but then the, you know, the bats would break after a, a summer's long usage. Cause we would play dang near every day. And we had a good friend who would come over. So you'd always have a, a, a designated hitter who would just hit on both sides. And then, you know, you play basically 1v1. And always a lot of fights with the DH if, like, you know, he goes Jimmy Jack off you and then he's punching when you guys are up. Like, and you're getting mad at that guy, right? It's like you're, you're – you're, what are you, you selling out for the team? Like, what, come on. Like, you, you just took me deep last half and now you're striking out. Um, but the, the search for the bat, I remember every summer, was, like, a big deal. Like, because it, so, it's tough to find. Because we wanted more that be, could get, wouldn't get waterlogged, right? That could withstand. Yeah. Well, sometimes you get it waterlogged, and that was like, we, we used to call like Slugfest when you get the power oh, up. Oh, the power the up. The heavy bat, and it would go further. Here would be the last question I asked you. I know you were talking today about white picket fets in it in the neighborhood. Did you ever get to play like cul-de-sac baseball, tennis baseball in, in your cul-de-sac, get it going? Not so. So I didn't grow up in the neighborhood, but I would go to friends' houses. And yeah, I used to be like, this is your guys' lot. Like you can just walk to your friends' houses. You don't need a ride. You know, that wasn't, I didn't grow up like that. Um, and that was awesome. But I, I always, I had one good friend um, who we would play a lot of, I would go over to his house a lot in the summer. And we'd play a lot of wiffle ball with his younger brother and his and a couple neighbors. And one of the neighbors, one of his younger brother's best friend growing up, uh, turned out to be like a, a really good uh, player at Delaware, um, who I then reconnected with like years later when I was recruiting and he was working team camp for for Delaware when he was playing there, which was pretty funny because it was like I haven't seen you since we were playing wiffle ball when you were like ten. Shout out, he's a, he's a good dude, one of my Kyle favorites, Baker, great guy, yeah, one, yeah, of, one, one of, of the my best, favorites, yeah, just a great human about. being, yeah, yeah, great kid, Still really good baseball day. player, yeah, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so our pool activities and our summer activities are just on the top of our mind. And now as adults, we decide instead to play <laughs> wiffle ball in the cul-de-sac, we play a great game called golf. And it, it doesn't go as it's well. As those it doesn't compare. Uh, those 17 to 15 wiffle ball games in the in the hot summer. 
uh, in way Delaware. better. Those were, those golf. were way better. Um, but as we get through these summer activities, we obviously have the college world series final as it stands right now, the LSU tigers and the Florida Gators are tied in a one, one split. Obviously, Game one was a thriller uh, for anybody that tuned in. It won 11 innings. That's been been the theme here in Omaha. It was a 4-3 to three victory on a Cade Beloso home run and a, a Tommy White 0-2 homer to tie the game in the top of the eighth. And then we roll into Sunday, 3 o'clock start because Sunday baseball is going on, and it is an absolute Barn burner. You get bad starts from both of the starters. Ackenhausen went two and a third, gave up three earned, six runs, did have five strikeouts, and then Hurston Waldrip, who's been one of the best pitchers in the base in college baseball, if not the best. Um, I think he's been as dominant as anybody. Goes two and a third as well, and six walks and two strikeouts, really stopping, halting the streak that he was in at that point in time where he was throwing really well. And then at that point, you have you have yourself a ball game. The wind's blowing out, thirty mile per hour gust out to center field, and and you're thinking that this game's going to be a close one, eleven to nine type style. And it falls apart for LSU's bullpen, which has been great. I mean, they had zero earned runs against Wake Forest in two games uh, to to eliminate the Demon Deacons. But today, they gave up 16 earned runs in not nine innings. And for all the good that their bullpen has been, that will ruin your stats like no other. And Florida was able to settle in on the mound, and the end of the game score became a 24-4 absolute laugher in Omaha. And that sets up a winner-take-all, which which is going to be a lot of fun, and we're definitely going to talk about. But, Dan, as we've seen in these first two games, obviously today an absolute laugher. Game one was a thriller like we've seen in Omaha. What are some of the things that have stood out to you about the Gators and the Tigers? Yeah, I think game one was kind of all about pitching, right? Uh, that 4-3 game, it was kind of interesting because I don't think Florida's gotten a good start yet, really. I mean, Brandon Sprout, who's again, another guy who obviously has the stuff and the talent to be one of the best in the country and who last year really carried them down the stretch, and, and he's been good throughout the postseason. This year, he only gets you 12 outs if you're, if you're Kevin O'Sullivan, which you were kind of hoping for more. And, you know, he walks five guys, and he, you know – LSU stranded 17 guys on base and still won that game, which is just, you know, that's atypical. Obviously, if, if you strand 17 guys, you're normally kind of not in a good place. And on the other side, Ty Floyd goes eight innings. Um, Phenomenal. out 17. He was absolutely Phenomenal. electric. He looked like one of the best arms in the country. You know, he to me, he's been the best pitcher out of the, you know, out of all the arms we've seen so far in the, the first two games of this. It's been Ty Floyd. Right. Um, to go out there and strike out 17 in that Florida lineup, um, I thought Florida was really it was kind of surprising because going into today, I was really kind of concerned for Florida, um, considering what we had seen. One, LSU, just some of the bounces and breaks that they've gotten, maybe even some bullpen decisions by by. Uh, Coach O'Sullivan, just, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, so it's easy to say take Cade Fisher out. He had been rolling. I think, you know, there's people like you who are going to disagree and say take him out. There's going to be people who would say, no, you keep him rolling. But anyway, I mean, I was concerned because Florida looked super undisciplined on on, uh, on Saturday. 
and you kind of watched it and you're like, wow, like they, you know, they swung at so many pitches outside of the zone. Uh, they looked in between, no one really got good swings off. And it was like, are they going to, are they going to go two and out here with the, their two best arms going? And then they came back today and obviously, um, it's one of those games if you're LSU, like you just kind of have to flush it and, and go into game three, just ready to, to, to battle because, um, you give up 24 runs. It's never a really good feeling. And, and, you know, I think the concern is, did you just wake Florida's bats up? Yeah. Did you wake Florida's bats up or did they use their runs? <laughs> did they, uh, That's the other question, use right? all of them that, that has happened. And what's, I mean, I, I was just scanning through here. Florida still struck out 14 times today. Yep. I know you had mentioned it to me. Like they strike out a lot. They a swing lot. and miss a lot. Um, and I don't think that's something that we acknowledged earlier uh, in the year um, as, as what could be something that creeps up and gets them. But let's talk about the bullpen decisions, because this is something that I'm personally a little bit hot about because as we stand right now, in my opinion, I know maybe the game today would have unfolded a little bit differently, Florida should be your national champion. I feel that way. I'm, I 100% think that today would have unfolded differently. Yes, there's no way you win 24-4 in, in LSU's elimination game. But Coach O'Sullivan, that's his second time. And you could argue there were two last night that were questionable. So you could argue three times. But second time will go that almost gravely impacted – their chances of winning. The first one was going out and taking a mound visit with Brandon Neely when you didn't have any and having to bring in a cold Cade Fisher who wasn't, hadn't thrown. I mean, I'm sure he'd move around and thrown, but he was not getting hot. So he was not ready to go out and pitch. And then the one last night, Cade Fisher comes out and he gives you three great innings. This is a freshman left-handed arm that gives you three great innings. Phenomenal. Punches out five through three, doesn't give up many. He gives up two hits, zero earned, all that stuff. You have an All-American reliever waiting in the wind who throws right-handed to face the two best right-handed hitters in the country. And you leave the freshman left-hander in to face Dylan Cruz and Tommy White for what reason? Were you playing for tomorrow? Why would you play for tomorrow when one swing of the mat of the bat changes the game? And he ended up getting Dylan Cruz out. He ended up getting Tommy White 0-2. And I'm allowed to rant like this because I had texted you and said, you need to go to Neely now. So I have concrete evidence that I said it before Tommy White hit the home run. So I'm not sitting here in hindsight and saying this. And you get Tommy White 0-2 and he can't bury a slider. And Tommy White changes the game and ties it up. That does not happen with a fresh Brandon Neely in the in the game. I 100% believe that. I get you were riding the hot hand. I get Cade Fisher looked good. He looked really good through three innings. He looked like a future number one starter in the SEC good for three innings. But you're expecting a freshman to pitch against the best right-handed hitters in the country and not make one mistake. And that's all he did was make one mistake. And Tommy White changed the game and made it a 3-3 three to three tie and gave LSU a chance. That doesn't happen against Brandon Neely. 
you know, the way you, the way you present it, you're so sure, which makes it easy to kind of agree with you. But at the same time, I think that's what makes these decisions so tough and this time of year. So tough and baseball so tough when you have a one run game. And also just quick side point on this is like, this is why it's, you know, it's another reason why it's important to have guys who can lose the baseball in your lineup as an offense, because it can be one. a guy can be dominating. And if he misses with one pitch, if you have guys capable of making that, hitting that one mistake and making you pay, then you can flip the game like Tommy White did. And, you know, I think, again, it's easy to say, like, go to Brandon Neely. And and I'm a little bit confused by it um, only because if you had watched how aggressive he had gone to Brandon Neely throughout the entirety of this tournament that we've watched, where he was not hesitating to put him in in the sixth, seventh inning, why not put him in in the eighth inning if, if you trust him to get eight outs? That's a guy that you have wanted and you do want to finish games um, all season for you. I don't exactly know what the thinking was there. If he was going to try and let Fisher ride it out, I would be surprised by that just based off of how he's used Brandon Neely throughout the entirety of the postseason where he's allowed him to go more than just three outs and, and he's expected him to go more than three outs. Why not send him out there to get six outs? But that being said, Cade Fisher was dominating, and that's why it's important to get insurance run li- runs late in games if you're Florida when you're in a one-run game like that. You know, they had come back. They had taken the lead. It would have been huge to tack on because I can I can also understand why you leave him out there. He was untouchable, and he had just gotten through – he had gotten through Dylan Cruz, and he had gotten through some guys in the middle of that order um, when he first came in. You know, this was his fourth inning of work. He had faced the entirety of the lineup already. To expect him to do it again with the way he was pitching, I don't think is kind is crazy. It's one of those ones where it can go either way. I don't I, I completely understand with where you're coming from. I'm not sure it's as slam dunk because Brandon Neely can get clipped too. He did get clipped in the eleventh, and I know he was tired. He had gone that's what makes it weird to me, is that instead of just saying, Great job, Cade Fisher, you threw three, now let's give it to Neely for two, you ended up overextending both of them it kind of seemed like to me where you went three and a third with Fisher and then you let Neely go through in three and two thirds which that felt like an overextending of him in the 11th now that being said both those guys only gave up one run so like it's also t- like again but they were game changing runs sure but it's it's only like it's not like you look at those outings and say they were bad outings at the same time no they weren't but at what point are you putting too much faith into a freshman when you have a first team all SEC reliever? Like that is what Brandon Neely is there for to get you six outs when it matters most against the best hitters in the SEC and in the country. Cade Fisher did his job. Brandon Sprott was able to luckily, luckily give you as many innings as he did because his pitch count was in the 80s in the third innings. Cade Fisher bridged the gap to give yeah. you the opportunity to go to your best reliever Execute your with plan. six out left six outs left against the heart of the LSU order. Like I know this is not major league baseball where we're able to play matchups and we have these deep, you know, battalions of relievers that throw elite stuff. But it literally planned out perfect for Coach O'Sullivan to make the move to go to because the other aspect of that is Kate Fisher gives you three. He can come back in relief on Monday, right? Like you're the more you extend him, the less likely you're able to bring him back. So the fact that he gave you three should have been icing on the cake and just ride it out and go get your right-handed reliever 
to face the two best relief, the two best right-handed hitters in the country because he is, and the reason why I'm so confident that he wouldn't have given up the home run is because of how good his stuff looked when he first came into that game. Like this is a guy who you give him one inning outing, like you're talking about 94 with elite life, 96 with elite life, and an absolute hammer of a slider that Gavin Dugas, who was locked in, looked uncomfortable facing. So I do believe that he would have probably been able to generate that swing and miss in an 0-2 count rather than the freshman mistake that Cade Fisher made. Because if you go back and watch the video, BT Ryapel is frustrated about the first 0-2 slider because Cade Fisher doesn't bury it and he wants dirt. And then they call the same pitch and Cade Fisher throws a worse slider. The first one at least barreled into his back knee. The second one was just slider extended to a right-handed hitter that just hung up there for Tommy White. And it was pretty much the same thing he did against Cam Manassi, except from a left-handed arm. So it ran more into his barrel. It was just, it was just one of those things that Sometimes we get caught up in the, well, this guy looks really good, especially as college coaches, because we have a lot of question marks. This is not, you know, the Houston Astros who can go Abreu, Montero, Presley, Stanek, and just be like, these guys are all elite. You don't have a full wealth of elite arms in the college game. But sometimes when you can get three zero earned runs out of a guy, sometimes you just need to take it and just give the ball to your first-team all-SEC believer. This is not just some guy with good stuff. This is not Thatcher Hurd who has good stuff and not great numbers, right? Like, these, this guy is the SEC's a stopper of the year finalist for a reason. Yeah, and what I, but I think that is always going to be the question, right? Like, that's it, college baseball coaches fight this dilemma, like, on a, on a game-by-game basis, I feel like, is when you don't have – you know, it's hard to have set roles in college. Um, Wake Forest was like the closest we've seen to it in a, in a little while, I feel like, because of the talent they had. And you don't have it like you do in, in Major League Baseball, and you don't have the depth out there like you do in Major League Baseball. Um, you know, in college baseball, typically your best pitchers are your starters, and then the guys out there, you have to try and piece it together. So when you do see someone who's rolling like that, sometimes it is hard to pull the trigger. Um, because it's like, well, he's rolling. And look, he got Dylan Cruz out, and then here comes Tommy White. He's ahead 0-2. He was doing his job. And again, it's one pitch, and that's what makes it hard in a one-run game is it's you, your margin for error. And again, when you have guys in the lineup who can drive the baseball out of the ballpark, your margin for error is always going to be one pitch. Um, well, and, and that's, I, that's I think – I mean, it's a predicament, and I understand it. And I'm, I'm again, I don't know – I don't necessarily think you're wrong. I just can see how you make that. I, I sympathize with making that mistake. Like I get it. I think the only thing that I'll say back to you is it's not just guys who can drive the ball out of the ballpark. It's Dylan Cruz and Tommy White. No, I understand. There's no, a difference between leaving, sure, 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 leaving him the, in to face even anybody in that lineup. Like, you know, right. Hayden Travinsky and Gavin Dugas, right? Like that's that's a bad matchup for a young lefty with guys that can lose the ball. No, we're talking about Tommy White, who took one of the best relievers in the in the world or in college world for a home run to walk off and eliminate the number one team in the country, and who has a hundred plus RBIs, and Dylan Cruz, who's hitting four thirty with eighteen home runs and a future nine million in his bank account. Like these guys are a different level that. It's just hard for me to understand why you would want your freshman left-hander 
to face those guys. Because he had gotten them once before, like, and he was cruising. He was unhittable <laughs> up to that point. Like, I don't know what else to tell yeah. you. Like, that's the, that's the thought process. You're watching him, abs- and you said it yourself. You're watching this kid out there looking like he's going to be a future ace of your rotation and a future pro guy, and he's doing it, and he had gone through the lineup once before like a hot knife through butter, and he gets Dylan Cruz again, and he's 0-2 on Tommy White, and it looks like he's going to continue to do it. The only – when I said guys who can leave the ballpark, I'm saying that's why it's important to have those guys because then you can just like, oh, great, you've been dominant for three innings, three in the third, watch this. You know what I mean? Like that, it completely changes the game. And that's why it's also hard being the coach in the opposing dugout going, well, this guy's kept those those guys who are able to do that at bay for three innings now. Imagine if he pulled him and Tommy White went deep against Brandon Neely. I would it, – You, it's the same reason – Tom Walters was, after the game said he wanted to lose the game you, with his opinion, best reliever on the mound. There, and there would be some idiot podcaster out there that isn't you saying, why would you take Cade Fisher out? That, you know, get, Jacob Rudner is going to be having guys on the message boards going, why did he take Cade Fisher out? He was He was dealing. But I feel like the reality of it is, is that has an explanation. We have brought Brandon in my Neely. American reliever. He's our guy. Yes, I got I you. brought in my all-American level reliever. Leaving my freshman in and putting that much faith into him in the most important three outs of the game is a stretch. Like it's just like it's just there's nothing that tells me that's a good move. Lefty on right. If it was both, if they were both, if he was Lefties, a right-handed you would pitcher, understand I'd see it more. It. Yeah. He, yeah, like you're literally going platoon switch on a guy like Tommy White crushes lefties. Yes, he does. He crushes righties, but he crushes <laughs> lefties. Like, yeah. and it's just, it's tough because, I, like I said, I, I think that 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 Florida would have been had a leg up coming into today. I mean, it didn't unfold the way you picture it, but Hurston Waldrop with a one nothing lead, the way Hurston Waldrop had been throwing, like you said, did he save Brandon Neely for today? If you're saving Brandon Neely for so. today, that's no. that's yeah, like that's tough. You can't do that. You have to win. You have to win that game. And and that, I don't know. That That's the biggest takeaway I'd have. I mean, Tommy White has been unbelievable. Ty Floyd was just fantastic. I mean, that was – we're starting to see vintage Ty Floyd. Ty Floyd probably just made himself a lot of money too. I mean, I think we remember in 2021, Will Bednar with Mississippi State worked his way yep. all the way up to 16 in the MLB draft in the first round because of his performance in Omaha. And I can't picture off the top of my head what Will Bednar looked like, but eight innings, 17 strikeouts against Florida Gators, and then whatever he did against Wake Forest, don't have the stat line off the top of my head. Five innings, with that 10 fastball. strikeouts. Five innings, 10 strikeouts against the Demon Deacons, who had a great lineup as well that didn't strike out a ton. He's starting to show a fastball that looks like it could play at the big leagues tomorrow. Um, And he made himself a lot of money. It was super impressive. Yeah, it's all about commanding the ball for him. I mean, we know he has a a plus fastball that sets up everything else. If he can live in the strike zone, then then he's – He's extremely gifted, and, and he can be a, a, a pro pitcher and, and a, a potential big league level talent. But it, it, for him, it's just it's the walks, and that's what got him in that Wake Forest outing. He was cruising; he was five strike or five innings with with ten strikeouts, and he comes out in the sixth and walks the bases loaded. So, as long as he's not walking guys, which I think last night, I 
one. He walked only one guy. Like if if Ty Floyd's doing that, then then he's you know just as good as any of these guys in this draft. Well, and he even like just from a standpoint of like college baseball and things like that, his fastball profile is going to lead to more home runs, which is yep. what happened. He gave up. I don't let me check off the top of my head how many home runs he gave up. He gave up one to Ryapel late, and that was really yep. it. Like he gave up some some damage there, but the Ryapel home run obviously put Florida up by one. Uh at the time it was a two two game, and then he came in at the sixth, seventh, and eighth and just started punching out guys, you know, with ninety seven in the tank at pitch one twenty two. And it was just super impressive what it he was, was yeah. able to do. And and an that's what's been huge for the, the, the Tigers, right? When the Tigers were sitting up today at up in this game. I know twenty four to four, it's hard to believe that they were up at any point. Three one at one they, point. <laughs> yeah, they were up early and you started to think that maybe it's just LSU's year. What has been the thing we've said since we talked to Leah in February or early March, whenever it was exactly? The bullpen, the depth, who's going to step up? There's a ton of talent. Who's going to step up? And these guys have. Riley Cooper stepped up. Ty Floyd starting to look like the the peak Ty Floyd. Even Ackenhauser, he didn't look great today, but two and a third. He obviously had some errors mixed in there with six runs, three earned, five strikeouts. Gavin Guidry, who also struggled today, has looked really good and looked really good against Wake Forest in game one. Griffin Herring was the savior of their Omaha. At that when he came in and took the ball, Wake Forest was rolling as an offense. And from that point on, Wake Forest did not score a run. When Gavin when Ga- when Griffin Herring took the ball in game two of the Wake Forest LSU series over Omaha. Wake Forest didn't score a run for the rest of the series. So you see this bullpen and you see what they've been able to do. And that's pretty much what it came down to is if this bullpen and really the starting rotation depth as well, but just pitching staff depth can be really, really good and throw up zeros for this team. We know this offense can hit. We know Paul Skeens can pitch, but are we going to get those zeros from those depth pieces and it's the difference between game one that they lost to Wake. Their bullpen didn't hold firm. They didn't put up those zeros. Game two and game three, they threw up so many zeros, gave their offensive chance to came, change the game. And even last night, yes, it was last night as we're recording, even Saturday night, Riley Cooper's ability to throw up zeros allowed Tommy White to hit the game-tying home run. You talked about Florida's issue wasn't the pitching decision. It was not tagging on and adding on late in that game. And then the ability to have Cade Beloso hit that clutch home run in the top of the 11th as well. Yeah, and I, I, I just sit here and wonder with the amount of people that LSU has left on base and then kind of seeing their pitching staff. Now, you know, they emptied the pen a little bit. Jay Johnson knew what he was doing today, and, and he definitely was like, all right, we're moving on to tomorrow about halfway through this game today when they got down. But, you know, if you're looking at it from an LSU standpoint, you you score four runs, have to win in 11 innings, and you strand 17 game one. And then today, you knock Hurston Waldrop out, who some people in the in the industry like almost better than Skeens, which is a little bit surprising to me. I think he's a clear third um, between behind Skeens and Louder, personally. But, 
you know, he doesn't get nine outs. If you if you sat there and you told Jay Johnson that that Waldrop, you're going to win game one and Waldrop's not going to get out of the third inning in game two, he probably thinks he's got a national championship and he's celebrating tonight. You know, yeah. and, and I wonder, you know, is that kind of a, a bad sign for LSU's offense to see Florida's offense kind of go crazy on their pitching staff today and then, you know, them not being able to cash in with all the opportunities that they've had throughout these first two games because early in that game, they loaded the bases in the first three innings of this game, I believe, and they got three runs out of it. Um, that's tough. Yes. When you can't, when, when you are playing a team the caliber of Florida, um, you got to be able to break it open. You cannot allow them to continue to escape, continue to escape, continue to escape. I think it was, you know, kind of a miracle they won that first game with having left all those guys on base. Um, I really thought that they had missed their opportunity, especially when Cade Fisher came in and kind of had settled everything down. And then today it happens again. It's a little bit concerning going to tomorrow. The good news is, is if Jack Caglione can't find the strike zone just like Waltrip couldn't, and they'll have a lot more and Spro. They'll have a lot more uh, opportunities to, in tomorrow's game too to drive some of these runs home. Yes, yes. Well, let's let's talk about Game Three. But first, if anybody's interested in heading to Game Three, specifically, you want to get out there to Omaha to watch the winner take all final at seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time. You might want to sh- head over to our friends at SeatGeek. With college baseball coming to a conclusion and obviously MLB season in full swing, SeatGeek is your essential resource for live baseball. For any of your ticket needs, head over to SeatGeek.com and use promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. That's SeatGeek.com, promo code BACKSIDEGROUNDBALL to receive $20 off your first purchase. So, Dan, I said this before we got on the podcast. We're going to have to talk ethics today. And I didn't want to talk ethics today. I'm not in philosophy class my freshman year. I'm not taking an elective right now. (laughs) But so many times as coaches, you're presented with a situation where you really have to, to make a tough decision. And Jay Johnson, Wes Johnson, the LSU analytics team, the athletic training team, everybody involved, quite frankly, and specifically the man who would be pilling the slab, Paul Skeens, is going to have to make a really impactful and important decision. And I think anybody who follows us on social media, and if you're not following, make sure you, you do follow us on Twitter, is knows where we stand and knows where specifically I stand. But I do think as I think through it a little bit more. And as I talk through it specifically, I, I get it, right? I get both sides. I understand it because in the name, image, and likeness era of college athletics and specifically organizations at the magnitude of a Louisiana State University, the Tigers, go Tigers, Paul Skeens is probably making some money to wear yellow and purple and to wear that Tiger uniform. So at this point, you're a professional, right? You might not be a professional in terms of the university itself because you're not an employee, but you are paid to wear that uniform the same way a college quarterback's paid to wear their uniform. And when it comes to the most important game of the year, you might have to do something that might impact your future. Does that mean I'm the one making that decision? No, but when I factor in the professional aspect of college athletics as it stands right now because he's being paid name, image, and likeness deal to wear purple and yellow 
it makes it a much more nuanced conversation than just simply protect the kid's future. Yeah. Um, for me, it's not even, it doesn't have anything to do with name, image, and likeness. For me, it's just about the people's competitive nature and, and the competitive levels of, of what people are doing. This is a, you know, when you get to division one baseball, if you want to talk about the professionalism of it, you know, Jay Johnson has a job to do. Jay Johnson's goal yeah. is to win every national championship, every, the national championship every single year that he coaches at LSU and Paul Skeens being a competitive person. And look, every college kid is going to tell you they want the ball in that situation. I'd be, find me one, college kid who says i don't want the ball and you can't uh, them saying they want the ball doesn't make you a better competitor and And i know that's going to be the narrative it's not every kid's going to take the ball correct and that's what makes this i think conversation so much harder is because you kind of it's not up to the person who has to go out there and do it right it's up to the like you said it's up to you know the the coaching staff and they have to ultimately make the decision along with um you know the training staff and and what they can do now you know, you, you pitched him on short rest Thursday night, and this would be probably the shortest rest he's ever had in college. He threw 120 pitches on Thursday. Um, I think we probably fall in the minority of this debate, I would imagine. But I, I, I just can't imagine – I wouldn't do it. If it was me in that LSU dugout, I'm not asking him to do that. Look, we've – we're – LSU, if, if we can't trust one of our other guys to go out there and get us to a position now, does that mean that Paul Skeens doesn't get the last six outs if I'm coaching? No. Like Paul Skeens is probably – if he says he's available and he wanted to start the game, then I'm probably allowing him to go out there and give me the last six outs. And some people, I'm sure, would argue with me and say that that's even worse for him than letting him start because that's breaking his routine. It's something he's not used to. Where I would tell you, well, he can go out there in the fourth inning and start getting ready for the eighth. That's what he needs to do. Um, but I, I just think that I, I, I don't ever look. I get it. You get paid to win. Championship banners fly forever, and I understand that. But you know, I think you're putting someone, in, and it's so hard to answer this question. And I don't know if there's a right or wrong. It's just everyone's opinion, and you have to accept that person's opinion. But to me, because there isn't enough there's so much unknown when you talk about this, right? There's so much unknown that goes into, well, does it affect him? Does it not affect him? You can show me study after study after study. It doesn't matter. Paul Skeens, body is different. Paul Skeens' anatomy is different than all the other pitchers that you've, you know, tracked and evaluated, right? Um, so to me, it, it's tough, but I just wouldn't ever put someone in that situation um, because, you know, this is a team sport at the end of the day and we have to win as a team. And, and if, we have, if we can only think we can only win this game with him going out there, then we didn't do a good enough job as coaches getting everyone else ready. You know, Griffin Herring hasn't thrown. I think that tells you something. I think that Griffin Herring with his performance against Wake Forest probably earned himself the start tomorrow. And I, excuse me, I know that's bold considering it's the national championship game, winner take all, but that's what you do. You, you let Griffin Herring or even Thatcher Hurd um, go out there and, 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 give you as many outs as possible until you can turn the ball over to Skeens. That's at least how I would play it. I agree. You, you know I'm I'm with you on that. And I just think the, the debate is more nuanced than anybody wants to lead on. I don't yeah. think you can throw him more than 65 pitches and right. not – <laughs> malpractice jeopardize him. but right. jeopardize right. him jeopardize him is is a better way to say that malpractice and i think you're jeopardizing him 
I think up even to 45, a 65 yeah. you're jeopardizing. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. again, Paul Skeens, everyone is different. That's the thing that makes it, and that's what makes it so nuanced, right? Is Paul Skeens is different. Paul Skeens is 6'6, 248 pounds. Paul yeah, Skeens, but he also throws 102. That, and I was just, that was going to be my next point, but he also throws 102 <laughs> miles an hour. There's a lot of force that goes onto his elbow every time he throws, but it, the fact that he's 6'6, 248 takes away a lot of that. He's able to do it. From my semi-trained eye, you know, I'm not, I, you know, I'm not a professional. Uh, He's got really good mechanics. He has beautiful arm action. His arm path is super clean. Things that you want to see. You mentioned it the other night. It looks effortless, which is a term that I'm not that fond of because it's never effortless. It just looks that way. It's just that he's got super clean mechanics, right? That's the term that people use for that. When you have great mechanics and you have a great arm path, people call it effortless. Um, so, like, he's probably better built for that. Again, when was the last time he pitched on three days rest? It's the other never. Thing I'm sure you never know, in the, his life. The amount of workload that he's thrown, you know, he went 120 in his first start. He went 120 in his second start. You took away two days of rest off of him to do that. That builds, you know, that those two starts have added up to that now. Doing that adds on to putting him at risk. Then you bring him back three days and take away four more days of rest from him. It's tough, and it's one of the hardest decisions you have to make as a coach in college baseball. And, again, I stand pretty firmly with don't run him out there. There's more important things. Like, I'm sorry. I know Ellis, you know – People hate that because in sports, right, it's all about being a winner, right? Michael Jordan, why does everyone love Michael? He was a winner. It didn't matter. He could go out there with the flu and score 45 points because he was a winner. That's what he did. And you're just supposed to win because that proves who you are as a person if you win. And to me, I, I just don't see things that way. Um, I just don't necessarily think that's the truth. I think Paul Skeens has, you know, greater moments ahead of him and protecting him should be important and you know, that might tick some people off, but that's just how I feel. Yeah. And, and that's the, it's tough. It's, it's, it's real. I don't wish. Oh, that it's really decision. tough. I think if I was sitting in that shoes, it'd be an easy decision, <laughs> but it's easy for me to say that. Cause I'm not, I don't right. have LSU's boosters or administration or anybody breathing down my neck. But the point you made about it being if we haven't developed and prepared our guys to be ready, if Griffin Herring isn't ready, that's our fault. Like that's a recruiting problem. That's a development problem. That's everything in-house. Like if we feel that much, like we have to use Paul Skeens to win this ball game, that's as much of an issue. And I, I mean, I thought they shouldn't have started him that when he did, but I think that one was just a pro Pro rest, which makes pro sense. And yeah. He's going to have time off and, and everything. And, you know, Coach Johnson, after the game on Paul Skeen's availability, said uh, from a tweet from our good friend, Leah Van, who's the best in the business at covering LSU baseball, Johnson on Paul Skeen's availability. As I talked about last time, we do a process to figure that out, which doesn't take place until the day of the game. I mean, you're going on game eight in 10 days, so we have to be mindful of all that. 100%. That that last line, game eight in 10 days, so we have to be mindful of that. Does that say that Paul Skeens has thrown a lot in 10 days? Everybody has. Everybody's thrown a lot (laughs) in 10 days. So that's what I took that as, um, as him saying, like, nobody's well rested. So let's keep it in mind. So here's what I'll ask you. 
and I'll, I'll give you a hypothetical scenario where you're the pitching coach in this situation. And remember their pitching coach has spent time in a big league organization. So he's going to, he should, he should understand very well what exposing this type of arm to excess work would do for his future and injury risk included in that. And Paul Skeens could be a mutant. And again, we've had this debate about Steven Strasburg, the nationals, thankfully, very happily because karma wise, Good that they won. They a World deserve Series to win a World Series. Show. They yep. deserve to win a World Series after doing Steven Strasburg right. And Steven Strasburg was never healthy. That was his. You talked about Paul Skeens being different, and then Matt Harvey runs through a wall coming off of Tommy John and blows out within the calendar year with thoracic outlet, and it's never the same. But here's what I'll ask you. I'm assuming at that level, with what Wes Johnson brings to the table, they have mobility screens. They have anatomy, everything figured out to a T. If he shows up and he shows the baseline of what's normal for him in mobility and whatever screens you want to have, are you thinking about giving him the ball for maybe starting that game and pushing 65 to 80 pitches? Because obviously they have a process. Obviously they have a process that they think is going to prevent or help Correct. avoid injuries. So if he checks all those major boxes, like Jay Johnson's basically alluding to the fact that if he checks these boxes, he's pitching. Are you rolling them out there with knowledge of what arm injuries have become? No, because I think that uh, for a couple of reasons, one, again, I just think that that's, that's my opinion on this, this thing. And, and that's why I'm the pitching coach though. And, and the head coach is allowed to make whatever decision he wants. And, and um, you know, you could probably, you know, maybe Jay Johnson could talk me into it. I think that for me, it's just a no, because what I think people fail to realize when we talk about this stuff is especially like the most random, you know, the, the com- I don't know how to use it, but just the common fan will look at it and be like, they'd expect Paul Skeens to blow out in the second inning. They Let's say they start Paul Skeens on Monday, um, tomorrow, and, and, and he goes out there and he throws five and he's the hero and he's carried, you know, he's held in the same light as Joe Burrow and Baton Rouge for the rest of his life. And, and it's great. Warren Morris. Everyone will be, yeah, Warren Morris and everyone will be, you know, tap dancing on Twitter about, see, he's fine. He's a competitor. Yada, yada, yada. Well, and then spring training next year, Paul Skeens blows out. How do we know it's not because of what he did this year? You you don't know. Like, again, you don't, you don't like, it comp like this thing this stuff compounds right it does it compounds and that's not to say that if he were to get hurt in spring training next year it's not because he played golf the day before with with the boys after a workout and something happened there you just don't know dan and trevor right yeah that'd be nice for me it's it's just well i'll be retired from golf at that point but for me it's just that you know pitching puts a lot on the body and i'm i'm I guarantee you, you're absolutely right. They have tests and they have, you know, a checklist of he needs to be feeling, you know, he needs, we need to see his arm looking like this. He needs to be feeling this. We need this to happen for this to happen in X, Y, and Z. And they, they do. And they, and they probably have, you know, they have a lot more information than you and I do, but I still just, again, like I sure come out of the bullpen Start him and let him go two innings. But the issue that I never like doing, you know why I don't like doing that? Because everybody changes their mind when you get into the heat of the competition. So the second you run him out there in the first inning and you say he's going two innings max and it's 2 nothing LSU after two innings and he's six up, six down, guess what would happen? He's going back out there for the third. 
And if he has a clean third, he's going back out there for the four. And that's why I don't like approaching it that way. And that's why I always say, yeah, I, I bring him out of the pen and let him be available late because I just don't trust the people that once you get into the competitive environment that they're going to be able to put their foot down and stick to the plan. Just yeah. like not bringing in Brandon Neely in the eighth inning, right? It's like the same thing, right? Yeah, it's tough. It's a very – and I know it's just baseball and it is a game and it is for the national championship. Like this is not for a midweek series win. Right. Right? Or a conference this is not for, This is it. This is the um, just this anything. Is a big one. It's it's legitimately for a banner, right? At a baseball crazed university. School that like he was brought oh, in yeah. yep. from Air Force to do exactly what tomorrow could be. And so it's not even what we've experienced. Like it's not. You know, even it's it's, well, it's very easy in our scenarios to do both sides, right? To push the guy through the limits because they're not Paul Skeens and they don't have nine million waiting for them in a month, in a calendar month. But it's also a lot easier to say it's not that important because it's Division Three baseball or it's Division Two baseball, and it we don't well, have twenty four thousand to fifty thousand people that are showing up in but support if you're doing of it, LSU. It, it's important to you. Like even in that sense, like it's still important to you. Like I, I think that even if you're at the division two level or division three level, it's important to you when you're in like, you know, yeah. I in some of those situations, you know, we weren't really stretched that thin but when it's we were not in regionals in twenty one. But the athletic director that sure. signed your check. Sure, and sure. The there, president aren't of the ma- there aren't as many and the opinions. Right. There aren't yes. as many as opinions involved in the in the decision. It's important, yes. more important to just that group right there that you, that you're surrounded by. There aren't all the fans and all the like you said, the administration yeah. and everything. But still, I mean, that's and that's the ethical dilemma of it all, right? Is it's like national championship putting the, the person first, and what makes that even more nuanced, as we've talked about, is you don't really know what the hazards are. He could be fine. I I. And maybe I'm biased. I had two arm surgeries by the age of 23. And Trevor, you can speak to my high school baseball experience. I like. <laughs> no, it's very like it's it's a tough conversation because it's very real. Like again, right. and it's baseball. Like it's it's a game, and I've made that very clear when we talk about this. But like, that's where my emotional side gets in play here is because we're not prioritizing the kid. Yeah, I'd be concerned if Paul Skeens didn't want the ball because he had yes. nine million. Right. Every eighteen to twenty-two year old I've want met wants want the it. ball, no question. And There's it's no doubt up about to that. the adults in the room to say, "Paul, you've but, got hundreds of millions of dollars waiting for you in that right arm." It's it's not a matter matter of whether we think you can go out there, whether you, we think you can help us win, whether we think you could help us win a national championship, whether we think you would be dominant today or anything of that nature. It's whether we think it's best for your health, yeah, your we long-term trust, health. We trust Griffin Herring to go out there and do the job. Yeah, and, and it's just – it needs to be – the adults need to make an adult decision. What do you think is going to happen? Sadly, I think he's going to start. I think he's going to start too. <laughs> the further I get in, the further I get it closer 
Me and too. His what he said, I think I'm he's going to start. Me too. So here's my long, my last long term. What do I think is going to happen? I don't know. Oh, that you don't know. That's again, that's the whole point. You don't know what's going to happen, and that's what like people will be tap dancing on Twitter on Tuesday, and that's fine. Let them tap dance. That's great, and that's what social media is about. And they can they have all the right in the world to do it, but you don't know. You don't actually know. So um, my last question is, is, could Jay Johnson have the two greatest moments of his life within five days? It's pretty impressive. Yeah. Apologize to Miss Johnson and company for – And kids. For, you know – Yeah, company. That's what I meant by company. Yeah, um, yeah the kids. <laughs> Sorry, you're, you're – Must not have been Little good. League baseball game. Must not, must not have had a good DJ at the uh, at the wed- at the Johnson at the wedding. wedding. <laughs> yeah, because the, <laughs> the walk-off winning at Wake Forest was the best was thing the greatest that's ever moment, happened. Greatest moment of his life. Hey, Jay, I'm not collecting $8 million checks, so I don't know, right? Like, I, I don't that know what kind There's of another one of his greatest <laughs> moments. There might have been my greatest moment of life the day I signed the contract for $8 million. Well, he probably not, not making win over $8 million, but um, he's definitely making a million good money. Sorry, yeah. he's, it's a he's making university. enough money. We could so, figure this out. Dan, we'll close this out here. What, what's your prediction for how tomorrow's going to go? Um, who do you think ends up on top? I'm gonna stick with what I said uh, the other night. I, I think, and I think I said three games. I think Florida's gonna win in three. I think um, I'm gonna hope that Jay Johnson is 1.25 million dollar contract makes the right decision. It doesn't start Paul Skeens, although maybe it's the wrong decision since I'm saying they lose. But I think Florida's bats woke up today. I think if Florida, even if Skeens starts, Wyatt Langford can get the barrel to 100. Um, I think this offense woke up. Caglione gets two homers. Now he's probably got a pitch. Um, so, you know, his focus is going to be a little bit away from that and asking a kid to start and face Paul Skeens on the same day is tough, tough ask. But, you know, Langford and those guys, they, they woke up. Um, and I, I just think that um, I think Florida has enough to get it done. But I really don't know. This thing could go either way. Just watching the first two games, it could go either way. It felt like LSU was destined to win. They get beat by 20 today. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you. I don't know. Um, I think it's going to be a fun game. I, I hope both teams have fun, as our, our friend Stephen <laughs> Shock says. Um, I hope both teams enjoy their time in Omaha. But yeah, I'll ride with I'll ride with the Gators here. Um, I don't know if if Paul Skeen starts. Do I would I be surprised if it's a historic day in college baseball and you know he goes six seven shutout and throws a hundred. I don't pitches. think they'll let him go. I don't think they'll let him go seven. Even if he does start, I think you got five to six innings. Four to six innings, I should say. Four to 12, six. 12 to 18 outs. Yeah. Man, I'll I be, be interested I will to be see. alarmed if he throws – if he starts and throws 100 pitches, I will then be alarmed. And I don't care what anyone says the next day. This is like Quinn to know Matthews' one 156 pitch start at this point. This is three 120-plus outings in 10 days. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot. He shouldn't be pitching. He should not be pitching tomorrow. We know. I know. I know this. That's what I've been saying for the last half hour and the show. Wow. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you to all our listeners. Sorry to leave you on that that little uh, – just wow. 
Um, thank you to all our listeners for tuning in as that will conclude our episode for today. Make sure you're subscribing to the podcast on all podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcast. We post episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, always hitting your feed at 7 a.m. sharp. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter at BacksideGB, Instagram at BacksideGroundBalls, and TikTok at BacksideGroundBall. And most importantly, make sure you're sharing with five friends. And until next time, we'll see you guys on the Backside Ground Balls podcast. We are super excited to announce that we are now partnering with Routine Baseball. Routine Baseball offers the best athletic leisure options going. We're talking shirts, hoodies, shorts, sunglasses, and any baseball style you could ask for. Perfect for all your events and activities this summer. You headed to a game, throw on a nice routine tee and a hat. How about a cookout? Throw on some routine shorts and sunglasses. You'll be super comfortable, no sweat, perfect fit. I just got fitted in my routine stuff, and it's all I want to wear, and it's all I will be wearing this summer, and you can too. All you have to do is go to routine.com backslash backside ground ball and check out all the different options they have, and you can receive 10% off your offer today. Again, all you got to do is go to routine.com backslash backside ground ball and get 10% off your order today.